1: I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.
2: The
0: typical, oh, ho, ho. Tonight, we got them Goldie
3: and the Salt. The Chemical,
0: Chemical
2: Disgusting, disgusting,
0: disgusting And it
3: starts right now. Oh, welcome back. Boy, still loving the new theme, Sound the Alarm, Stu Basie Brooks. Love it. Love it. Getting me fired up over here. (laughs) Fired up. Welcome back to another episode of A Typical Disgusting Display, a podcast for writers, by writers, who hate writing. Uh, We have a great interview Today, How do we know that? Because we recorded it already. <laughs> Sometimes in this business, you need to record things to accommodate the guest schedule. Yes. And certainly with today's guest, Steve Levitan, he is television royalty. So we were more than happy to do that. And I think we have a great conversation with him yeah. coming up. He w- He's won a lot of Emmys. Yeah. Yeah, we rode the
0: high of the interview, and then there was the (laughs) crash afterwards as we realized we're frauds. (laughs) Wait, first joke of the day? First joke of the day? I I submit that wasn't a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing joking about that. Sorry. It's like Uh, when he started talking about character, and then he realized, this is something I've never even really thought about. I'm just
3: putting words on the paper
4: to
0: try
3: to (laughs) make the deadline go on. Away. Yes, it, yeah. we're just desperately gaining yards between the jokes.
4: Did it inspire you guys to just try and no. write something?
3: I no. I, I, I say <laughs> no. it did. No, it did. know <laughs> no, that let me it take that back. It
0: discouraged me, <laughs> and I'm looking at different law schools around the country. <laughs> oh my god! Pepperdine. And Pepperdine is I'm, a good I one. I might take Close. that that real estate exam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never anyone's plan A.
3: <laughs> no, I I will say I don't know that it inspired me to write, but it inspired me to if I write, I will do that. Uh, and you'll you'll hear it coming up. We don't want to tip it, but he had some pretty great advice yeah. about writing. Yeah. Um yeah, Goldie, today I wanted to start with something about you, Ooh, which you always oh, love nice. being the center of attention. <laughs> Stocks plummet 500 points. Here's a picture of Goldie. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, on last week's episode, if you guys were listening... I wasn't. You may, <laughs> you may remember that we talked briefly about the uh, Crystal Light Aerobics Competition yeah. from 1988 and, and how funny that video is. And Goldie, you made an observation that I'm, I'm still laughing about, and yeah. I've fallen asleep laughing to it a couple of times. <laughs> with. Where it was something which I hadn't noticed, which was that so many of the the uh, aerobics people in the competition were Italian, and you came up with in in no time the names Diana de Guacamo <laughs> and Michael Santucci <laughs> from Philadelphia, and I was dying yeah. laughing. And we used it as our asset on yes. Instagram that nobody seems to watch or like.
4: It's weird, but, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, it is weird. It gets a quarter of like a photo yeah. of my dog. Um, <laughs> But it was so funny, and, and what I want the listeners to know is that we didn't talk beforehand about, like, hey, we're going to talk about this crystal light thing. So that yeah, was something—Goldie did not have that joke or thought prepared. It simply—it yeah. just came out in the moment from him. So I thought that this was a good—it's a good example of A, you know, observational comedy, B, being fast— and see, yeah. it's the kind of thing that were we in the Family Guy writer's room, yeah. we would have found a way to put that in the script. Like, you know, Family Guy is—we're is, pretty lucky in that, you know, we're not quite as story-driven a show. We're very joke-driven. So this would happen all the time when Seth was in the room. If, if, if Goldie had made an, an observation like that or somebody had made some kind of observation about something— and we had all laughed the way that we were laughing on the podcast. Seth would find a way to put that in the show. So yeah. it's just a great example of being funny, being fast in the moment, as, of course, we know Goldie is both of those things. But it's also, that's writing. Like, that's what our writer's room is like. like cool. It's like somebody is doing something very funny, and then instantly people have the thought of, how can we use this on the show. So uh, for our listeners out there who wonder kind of exactly what our writer's room is like, that's a really great example of what it's like to be in the writer's room, certainly with Goldie and, you know, others make those kind of funny r- remarks too. And, and and we'll we'll try and put it in the show. And, and, and I was even thinking afterwards, like, how can we put that in the show? <laughs> I will like, well, we, we may have to try.
0: <laughs> I appreciate it. And just like the family guy writer's room, I still don't understand why it's funny, and I thought I've said a billion funnier things. That's so it, that's I just funny. made up a name. I, I remain completely puzzled as to why you enjoy it so much, but now at this point in my career, I know enough to just keep my mouth shut because the boss liked it, and everyone seemed to think it was funny <laughs> we rather dying. than... Compulsively tell people like I don't get it, uh, and then pitch five more that they don't like, and then convince them that I'm not funny at all, which I would have done before.
3: <laughs> That's right. You'll fall into the, you'll fall into that trap. But I will say, I know JC was laughing heartily. At I him was as well. I was. And also, uh, we have a friend, uh, uh, a friend on the show, uh, Scott Holroyd, who I think Goldie, you've met. he's yeah. A good, good. Uh, Didn't he send you the yeah.
4: Tootsie shirt?
3: That's he right. He sent Goldie the Tootsie <laughs> shirt. And he uh texted me uh after that show that he rewound that part oh, and listened to it like 20 times. So, so people <laughs> oh, thought that found that as funny as as we did, so rest assured that that was hilarious. <laughs> anyway, had to circle well, back and really... mention that.:
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you again. It's interesting i I wanted to talk about writing this week in a little bit of a different way, but yeah, it sort of connects to this in that what writing is for us versus what writing perhaps used to be. I read this book, and, and I found out you'd read it as well, called The Big Goodbye. Great book. Which is about, yeah, the making of the movie Chinatown. Oh, yes. Um, and, you know, it, it, it basically kind of ping-pongs between Robert Towne writing it, Robert Evans producing it, Jack Nicholson performing in it, and Roman Polanski, notorious great guy. Uh, directing it and sort of honing the concept into the movie yes but what really struck me were the writing parts with robert town because yeah of course so he decides i want to write this big epic about la and i know i want to do something about chinatown as a metaphor yeah and it's got to involve water and it's got to involve (laughs) real estate i also want it to be a detective story so if it were you or i now I feel like they'd say, all right, give us a draft in a month and we'll give you some notes on it. And then we'll, we'll go from the notes and you'll do the notes and then give us another draft in three weeks. And then maybe we'll cut you a check. So instead what Robert, what happens is he's renting a house for, I don't know, $150 a month. Yeah. Just reading for a year. Yes. Imagine the luxury of (laughs) of deciding you want to write a sprawling (laughs) epic. You're a writer. And everyone's just like, okay, we'll see ya. I don't know, Is 1975. Does that sound good? <laughs> yeah, is we that okay? We get together and talk about it. <laughs> so he's he's in his room, and then his wife knows he's in there with this guy, Edward Taylor, who helped him and I guess never received enough credit. Yeah. He's in there with Edward. They're with the dogs. They're drinking. I shouldn't bother them for months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she knew. Yeah. That's amazing. So I've, I've, months ad infinitum gone on about like the amount of like not no problems too small to bring to me at any moment and i get it like modern modern life is tougher but i've not been unmolested for 20 straight minutes since 2011 right. so okay so no one can go to robert town with you know uh, do you need more oat milk? You know, or, right. or do, you know where the, do you know where the Scotch tape is? Or, right. uh, Where's the laundry? Does the, does the Toyota have gas in it? Or I, any any of these things? Uh, you right. know, it's picture day That's, that's school. Oh, right. uh, or, um, or do you want to do the soccer ref clinic? No one's asking Robert Townsend as, as he just sort of aimlessly looks at like books that are too big to take out of the library, thinking about what Chinatown might be, and then. Uh, He runs out of money. Yeah. And his agent gives him $10,000 because it's, you know, we're all.
3: Wow. We're in this together.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, we're going to find out what Chinatown is. And and Robert Evans says, not even knowing what Chinatown is, I'm going to do it. And Nicholson says, Jack Nicholson, one of the great actors in the world, says like, hey, when you figure out what this Chinatown thing is and who this detective (laughs) thing is, like, I had a show on the air, two shows. People were offer only, meaning you couldn't see them read a goddamn line of a script that was completed to make sure that, hey, could this potentially be a good 10-year commitment to have them do it? They can't be bothered. And you would go, great, here, I'll make you the offer based on faith. Four days later, no. (laughs) If you're offer only, you like offers. Here's an offer. No. Meanwhile... Jack Nicholson <laughs> yeah. is going, whatever this is and whenever it is, sure. Everyone's giving him money. And this is what it used to be a writer. And then it's like, I don't feel inspired here. Well, we should go live in Malibu for four months. Unbothered. Uh, you know, again, $125 a month. <laughs> yeah. I've had f- four days of vacation in three years. I've had a babysitter one night oh. since Rudy Gobert gave everyone COVID. <laughs> and I'm just writing, 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 churning, churning. I have a family guy outline given to me yesterday at 1130. Can you have it done for end of day Friday? Oh, sure. <laughs> Got to get my two kids to school. What time do they get out? We've been over this. Two fucking thirty. Uh, the podcast taping gets spread over two days because God forbid we tape it all on the same day. Oh, now Get we're starting. Start, this party fire. for Ted. <laughs> Got to record a voiceover at some point. So what? What do I have? Forty-five minutes to write this.
3: <laughs> I love. I, I hope that catches on. Instead of uh, the ridiculous term of the China virus, we should start calling it the Gobert virus. I, I want, it, I there want to. There is no that.
0: excuse. Small enough. That you can't bother me with it. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm right. And uh, there there's so much going on. I've explained this before. And my my youngest child has basically turned into Montecor. Do you know who Montecor is? No. If the name is familiar.
2: No.
0: Uh, okay. Montecor is the trained tiger <laughs> who <laughs> attacked Roy Horn big <laughs> oh, yeah. performance in Siegfried and Roy. <laughs> no. My child. Theoretically knows how to behave. But if there anything is going wrong, whether it's a, a woman in the crowd with a beehive hairdo, the, the sniff of an errant perfume, she's on a jugular. And she's ripping the jugular and ripping it off. Oh and it could happen at any moment with no warning and extend indefinitely. <laughs> extend. And end just as suddenly, by the way. But then... It's not like, oh, she stopped having this tantrum. Now my pulse goes down, my breathing goes down, and I'm fine. No, I am now for days, just like Roy, affected deeply. Marred. Uh, And perhaps scarred for life, as Roy was. (laughs) But you used to be able, writer meant like, you know, you read about these novelists, it's like, Oh, uh, you know, Hemingway went to yeah, Mallorca. Faulkner for and- <laughs> two years to, and, and needed to, needed just several winters of skiing and then was able to write a chapter. He's yeah. <laughs> going, what? What's the luxury
3: uh, in this life? I know, I know. There's this myth that in Hollywood where writer is king. No, writer <laughs> is jester.
0: Oh, and no. we have it better that's than the people true. coming up
3: now. It's like be
0: in a mini room for three weeks and then try to yes. m- oh. y- live the rest of the year while you're working at the container store. <laughs> y- you know, trying to convert your script
3: into TikTok so people like the TikToks, then you convert it back into a script. <laughs> and <laughs> let's just let's just tag on to the end of that because that's all very well said. That Chinatown is one of the best movies of all time. Oh. So it's like yeah. they whatever <laughs> process they allowed him to do, it worked. Like it worked <laughs> like no other. That is a but fucking
0: fascinatingly, thing. they didn't know it worked and they didn't think it worked. And they were at the screening oh. because Robert Evans at the last minute um changed the score there was a right. the music was like atonal and they went with something totally different and then he had wanted the print to be more red and then there right. was a, this this uh confusion over which print was going to be used uh Evans's or Polanski's and then they they walked into the screening thinking they were going to the gallows that everyone would hate it and the reaction when the film stopped was just silence yeah. And they stewed in that silence of oh god this We're is done. a disaster and then of course it wasn't and yeah. You know, that the disaster was the next movie. Uh the next China Town. Oh
3: movie. yeah, The Two oh. Jakes which was terrible. Yeah. One of the worst sequels but, ever given the original. I don't know.
0: I I'm nostalgic for an era that I never got to participate in which is when writer and writing meant I don't know. Take we- some time and be with your thoughts and come up with something as opposed to it's supposed to like we own the rights to Qbert. What do you got? Cubert <laughs> yeah. Q- <laughs> That was which was something that was boy, pitched to boy, me at Sony. Boy, and, and it can be an boy. edgy Qbert. So then you edgy. go. Okay. You know, I picture Qbert goes to uh, Hooker So oh, well, not an edgy Qbert, but you said edgy. You literally said edgy. <laughs> you said edgy.
3: Not is. Not me. Qbert is I don't Jewish. Even- (laughs)
0: i i played qbert twice in 1981 i have no attachment to this no one cares
3: it's a terrible video game by the way (laughs)
0: but you could go i want to write a sprawling epic of la well could you do that involving (laughs) qbert the rise of qbert that's writing today is you know if it could be qbert and uh, Mindy Kaling could play Qbert. You know, it's a new take. I, I, like, what, what is this? I mean, you could. Like, you but could why? do anything. But, you know, love, it's like I we're love, all building these Frankenstein monsters of IP and, yes. and talent and what we think should be happening. Right. As opposed to taking some time. Yeah. And, you know, using your intellect.
3: Yes, crafting craft a a great something story original, yeah. yes, well, and by the way, you say you didn't get to take part in this era, but I don't know, you were one could well, <laughs> you could have done it were where one. were you? Well, what the hell were you doing when you were one? Like, Nothing big zero. <laughs> I, was,
0: uh, I was the first person to ever just give an only formula. <laughs> which is which is why <laughs> look at me I'm five seven. <laughs> they just right. I just came out and they they were like you don't have to breastfeed anymore don't give this baby any warmth <laughs> or intimacy give him formula oh and we'll see what happens to him and you create the most neurotic person ever and they great don't ad get to for participate.
3: formula great ad for formula <laughs> oh my god that's funny what a great and depressing point about the state of writing today um, yeah. should we should we barrel into another depressing part of writing today (laughs) yes okay i I think we should let's do it let's get into fuck me johnny jokes
0: (laughs) here we are in hollywood with the glitz glamour and of course Uh, in awesome. true Nicholson fashion. Here's Johnny that's, that's
3: right. Here's Cubert. Uh, all right. <clears throat> well, I may be reading five today because I have no faith in oh, it. Either, but wow. here we go. Same, same. Uh, off and running. Uh the governor of New York has declared a medical state of emergency due to a resurgent polio virus, even warning that a stay-at-home order could be imminent. Uh, Citizens of the Empire State have vowed that they won't take this sitting down, to which medical experts (laughs) replied, well, you may have to. (laughs) Polio, folks, makes you sit down. Uh, A recent, here we go, this is an interesting story. As I slur my way through the morning, I'm already hammered. Uh, A recent investigation uncovered that during the Civil Rights era, the FBI had a 300-page file on Aretha Franklin. Yeah. Uh, When reached for comment, a spokesman for the Bureau said, those files are (laughs) S-E-C-R-E-T. She used to spell stuff.
0: When I I heard the number 300, I became very concerned, and you just took a detour right around what I was concerned
3: about. Good. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, I understand. Yep. Went away from that. No, no, sir. Not in my 2022. Okay. (laughs) And by the way, I've called an Audible. I will only be doing four.
2: In the oh, wake no. <laughs> I know, yeah. The
3: disappointment <laughs> from the crowd. In the wake of the Queen's death, the Netflix series The Crown has suspended production as a show of respect to the royal family. Uh, well, that and a quick rewrite of the ending.
4: Ooh.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> New pages coming. New pages coming. And finally... French new wave director Jean Luc Godard has passed away at, the age, oh, no. at the age of 91. Here. And I was go- There he There is, Il est parti. Uh, uh, in lieu of flowers, mourners are asked to light a cigarette and stare out the window in despair. <laughs> I'm, I'm and then, sad he
0: died before he was able to see J.C.'s new wave bangs. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
3: Excellent. You. No, you. can't see that. Maybe you'll see it on our asset that nobody watches. He, w- he would have loved. <laughs> he would have loved, loved wave bangs and brushed them you. in your eyes.
4: Thank you. Uh, all
3: right. Second Johnny, take it away. Those are great. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat>
0: well, Queen Elizabeth passed away this week, surrounded by her family. Yeah. Uh, oh. Fortunately, hey before go! she expired, sorry, sorry. Uh, yep. and it. we timed that perfectly <laughs> again. Fortunately, before she expired, Prince Andrew was able to rush to her side and beg for more hush money.
4: Oh, oh. <laughs> Could be tragic. Okay.
0: Uh, funeral proceedings will occur throughout the week. As the queen is headed for a long-deserved rest after a lifetime of undeserved rest. (laughs) Okay. Insiders say the queen's passing has helped heal some of the deep rifts in the royal family. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, princes William and Harry... We're finally able to put some of their similarities behind them. <laughs> <laughs> These are all weak. <laughs> rule of threes, though. I like it. Here we go. No, there's more. Oh, rule of fours. And Prince Charles will ascend to King of England. Mm. And Camilla Bowles will become Queen in Consort, which historians say is the highest official rank ever achieved by a side piece. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, as these jokes, too, reach their dignified resting place after a procession through a silent, mournful crowd.
3: (laughs) We're giving it to you. We're giving it back. Finally,
0: (laughs) these jokes that are more dead than Her Majesty Herself. Oh, my God. Fittingly, in tribute to the Queen, the jokes themselves are also... (laughs) Dead. Expired. Finally. Oh, finally. Harrison Ford announced there will be a new Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, in this one... Indy finds an ancient fossilized artifact in his
3: bathroom mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. uh, (laughs) Snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. Uh, Listen, I just, I just, it, it, the queen
0: passing was a greased watermelon that I just (laughs) could not get a handle on.
3: Couldn't birth. (laughs) I'd say you did. I think you did a great job.
4: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
3: Okay, guys, wow. We are excited today. We have, in the writing world, there are very few writers who are known, who people know their names. You know, you have Aaron Sorkin, and basically that's it. Well, that's not quite it, because today... Our guest, if you've laughed at something on TV in the last 30 years, there's a one in two chance that our guest today was responsible. (laughs) His credits are spectacular. He's written for The Larry Sanders Show. For Frasier, he created Just Shoot Me. He created Modern Family, and his new show, Reboot, will be out on Hulu on September 20th, Please welcome to our podcast. We are so grateful to have a Mr. Steve Levitan. Ooh. Thank you for being here, sir. Hello, hello, hello. A well pleasure to be here. Hello, hello. <laughs> I'm a fan. Oh, well, we are fans Sorry. of yours, and we are so excited that you're here. And let's let's have a little honesty and full disclosure as to the exact reason you're here. Because we used emotional <laughs> manipulation to get you here. We, uh, your lovely daughter, lovely and talented daughter, Hannah was a fantastic writer's assistant for us basically for the first 2 years of the pandemic and so i you know reached out to her and said hey would you ask your dad if he would come talk to us so thank you for responding to that kind of uh, emotional manipulation <laughs> I, I would have said yes, even without her I, oh. I promise but oh. uh, That's oh, so sweet.
5: always always good to get her into the conversation uh, yeah yeah. I, yeah I guess we'll never know on that but um
0: <laughs> well to, to her credit, the second it looked like the pandemic was slowing down, she left family she
3: <laughs> yes. pulled she's it. out of there. There are
5: so many guys here <laughs> oh, I'm <yes>. just surrounded <laughs> on a screen by men that is yes. absolutely true.
3: It's like the gay Brady Bunch and she's Alice. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. she, she was she was great on the show. We we miss her. Yes, and the people we have now are terrible in comparison. Well, um, she spoke very highly of everybody and
5: learned a lot. So it was oh, great. well, that's, great. that's
3: good. That's good. Now I wanted to point out that um, although you people who are listening to this now will will be listening to this uh, next week, we are currently recording this. On what traditionally for you has been a huge night in your life. It is the night of the Emmys. <laughs> and so when I realized that, and not only did we get you as a guest, yes. but the fact that we have you on Emmy night, the likelihood of that is insane. It's so small. And I'm very surprised that they don't just present you with an Emmy yearly anyway, because <laughs> you are on fire. Uh,
5: yeah, it's a... It's annoying. I think that, that
3: they, uh, <laughs> by the end
5: of our little run, there were there were so many boos when we won that there's no more Emmys coming.
0: There was
3: more, more no, than a smatter. not another one. No, boos. <laughs> well, uh, by boo. the way, Before in, we
0: started, yeah. the, the guy who writes Ted Lasso lives across the street. So <laughs> I had to watch like a giant, Brigade of limousines come in my street and pick everyone else yeah. on my street up
3: but me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's hilarious. Well, and it's funny, you know. I in preparation for this because as the Goldie and JC will tell you, I do a ton of preparation for our guests. Um, but I watched um, a lot of your your Emmy speeches, which you have a knack absolutely for that moment. It's a big moment in in a television writer's life to even be nominated for an Emmy is huge. And then to win it is kind of, you know, it's it's your dream. And then you get up there and you deliver these hilarious speeches year after year after year. So what I want to know is, did you ever have like the Modern Family Room pitch on jokes for you? Or were these things that you're like, I got this?
5: Uh, I... I would, I would sometimes ask people, is this funny? I mean, there's a lot of that. Is this yes. funny? I yep. didn't ask them for like, let's start pitching on some jokes for me because it felt really obnoxious. And that wasn't <laughs> helped by the fact that I you know, had a writing partner on that show who wanted nothing to do with award shows. Yes. So it already looked like I was taking credit for a joint... <laughs> you know, production. Sure. And it and so I, I just felt uncomfortable about having to be the representative anyway, time after time. So I I, I didn't do that. But occasionally I would pull people aside going, Does this make sense? Is this funny? Yeah. And well, uh, it was it was a lot it of it always
3: was. Yeah.
5: Thank you. It it came from sheer it came from sheer terror of not wanting to go up there and have enough confidence in myself to be able to, you know, wing it in, in a charming way. I was like always uh, you know cranking away on them, you know, weeks in advance and, and practicing and, uh, uh, trying to distract myself while practicing so that I can, uh, you know, handle the adrenaline because, you know, when you think about it, it's such a, it's, it is a very bizarre experience. You're, First of all, this is something that we've all seen a thousand times, right? You know, uh, uh, the moment, the, the ring, they go to the yeah. person, yep. you know, all the other faces fade away. Um, <laughs> and then that person kisses the person they're with and they get up and everybody's <laughs> there and they get to the stage. And you've seen it a billion times. And then you're sitting there and you're sitting there and it's like this it is in a complete adrenaline. Like I, my heart is racing and adrenaline is pumping and da 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 da. And then they say your name and I equate it to you're sitting happily. Um, you know, on an airplane, and all of a sudden they push a button and drop you out of the plane, <laughs> and then you're supposed to give a speech, you know, like while like, oh 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 you're God. falling. God. Right. Um, <laughs> and I was so terrified of that moment that I would literally, you know, just like I would make. And i mean, I have a terrible memory, really. I have a terrible memory. So I I would like make myself little visual cue cards and uh-huh. and you know write jokes and tweak jokes and. And so uh but I, I'm glad it it, it
3: played okay. It all landed so well. And of course when you're talking oh, about your your, you. your 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 partner who wanted nothing to do with that, that was that's Christopher <laughs> Lloyd, correct? Right. And right, so right. he was shying from, away from the spotlight. He didn't shy away from that bit where you both sat on the back of the horse, which I appreciated because it wouldn't have worked if, unless he got up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you. yeah. know
5: that, but just that, ju- just me. No, it, that was fine. That was in the comfort of our own st-
3: soundstage. So, uh, okay. so he did that. But yeah, yeah, that was that was a great bit. Now, and I rem- <laughs> I remember in one of your speeches and i couldn't find it uh today because you have so many but <laughs> in one of them i feel like you said something about like this is for the people who have been bullied or marginalized do you remember that am i misremembering that because i remember thinking with you up on that stage i was like here's the 64 handsome man who wins everything <laughs> who's bullying this guy do you did you am i am i crazy uh, i
5: was i was I was very uncoordinated in high school. How, does that make you feel better? <laughs> <laughs> Much better, thank yeah. God. Yeah, a little. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, listen, I I have great uh, affinity for the underdogs, and I feel like an underdog a lot of times. I can't help it. I I it's the, it's the Chicago in me. So yeah. uh I I I never did feel like that person. Um, life has gotten a, better. Yeah, <laughs> So, uh-huh.
3: That's so good. it's it's almost like how Tom Brady plays with a chip on his shoulder all <laughs> right. the time and he feels disrespected. Yeah. So do you say, do you carry that into the, into your writer experience? Well, you know, it's,
5: it, it's funny because I was, you know, I played basketball and, and, and all that badly, but I played, and then, you know, I was, I got involved in theater and, and writing and, you know, uh, doing these like assemblies for variety shows and people in high school. And that really wasn't sort of the cool thing to do. Now I right. somehow managed to, to, to have friends in a lot of different groups, but, but I got a lot of shit for, uh, you know, being in the jazz choir and, and <laughs> right. you know, things. Yeah. Right. so I, 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 definitely felt that, uh, you know, uh, that part of it, which was, you know, you're, you're not always like the, you know, the stud football player. Um, you know, there was, you know, I, I felt a, a bit marginalized at times, right. so I, yeah. I brought that to it. I bring it to it.
2: Yeah.
0: Does an Emmy make that feeling go away at all? Like, do you just go, okay, I've won. So, like, I could do the non-classy thing, which I would do when I go, here's the list of people I want to say fuck you, too. Would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, it, but, like, when you just have that good moment, you go, look, anyone who doubted me or whatever, I've so thoroughly, like, can go scoreboard that now I feel... Better and I can just worry about small things like you know is this the right like wainscoting? <laughs>
5: <laughs> I I so wildly have surpassed all of my uh, expectations in life and and what anybody else ever expected of me. I mean I was a I had I'm positive now looking back I had wild ADD that that was un- back then undiagnosed. And I was, uh, right. you know, if if Steve only applied himself. So <laughs> yeah. I was one of those kids who, that if I was into something, I was like in, in academically, I was good at it, like writing and things like And if I wasn't into it, foreign languages, math, most other things, I uh-huh. couldn't sit still. So, you know, no, I had all my friends were, you know, better grades or everything. Uh, you know, I'm a proud uh, public school. <laughs> Uh, graduate yeah. my, from my entire life. So I have I have surpassed everything that I ever thought I would. So that moment of having, you know, I had worked on a show that, that we won an Emmy on Frasier, um, but that wasn't my show. I, I jumped on a, you know, fast moving train. And this one, there was a certain amount of, ah, okay, yeah. I, can, I can relax now because I had been clawing and, you know, climbing and trying yeah. to, get somewhere for a long time. So I did feel a certain amount of satisfaction. But then that next day, as you guys you know, know, you, you know, like everything else, any good night, any fun celebration, you get there the next day and that, that blank white board is up there and it's like, let's get yeah. back to it. Uh, and you're yeah. suddenly writing again. Uh, uh,
3: so it, it, it humbles you year after year. Now let's, let's get it out there for our fans. Cause I think I know the answer to this and it's, boy, is it going to be wonderfully obnoxious? <laughs> give us a, give us an Emmy count. <laughs> um,
5: how many Emmys? Yeah. Yeah here i'm going to uh, oh this is just yes.
3: for, is just for <laughs> oh wow oh, you guys. My God. it keeps going up yeah. it, the, 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 the the trophy case never ends wow. it's a good thing you're 64 like only yeah. you can appreciate those ones now, way we, up there
5: we, we, so it used That's to an be an optimistic shelf to have too and
0: you, yeah, you fulfilled yeah, right
3: its promise <laughs> so i'm counting um, i'm counting 9
5: 9 there are 9 yeah wow. uh, I, I i used to have the emmys down on this shelf and then covid happened And suddenly I'm zooming and it looks like I'm the biggest (laughs) asshole in the world, (laughs) you know, like I'd be be on with the the studio and they would like want to be, you know, giving me a note on the script or something. I'd go. Excuse me, say that again? Uh, gesturing uh, to Emmys. Right.
3: So I, I quickly learned and uh, rearranged them so they were out of frame. Well, and so that's, great, but yes, the that's great, amazing. The great but, that. So between the three of us writers on here, we have nine Emmys. That's pretty good. Great. Yeah, <laughs> great. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's not bad. Be proud and of there's that. A,
4: a Peabody. I see a Peabody.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, you see yeah. a Peabody for yeah. a modern yeah. family? Yep, I mm-hmm. saw that too. Yeah. Now. Here's the question, because you brought up uh, Frasier and the fast-moving train and all that. And, and and Frasier lives in that legendary sphere where Modern Family is and, you know, a few other shows have dared to tread. And um, so you're on Frasier um, for a season, and then you decide to leave Frasier to create Just Shoot Me. Do I have that right? Well, it's actually more complicated than that.
5: And it was a very strange time in my life and stressful. My first job was on Wings. Uh, mm-hmm. I had done two or th- three years on Wings when the creators of Wings went on to create Frasier. And um, Wings was, you know, a really an amazing learning experience for me. I did learn so much, and I climbed the ladder there. And um, once I saw Frasier, I was like, well, I really want to work on Fraser right? like everybody else in the world. Um, <laughs> and so I, they, they, they didn't want to let me out of a Wings contract because I... Because they they wanted to work on Fraser and they wanted people to be able to run wings. Right. Yeah. Long story short, I wrote two, they let, let me write two Frasers that season. So I couldn't join the staff, but I wrote two. The next year they asked me if I wanted to come over to Frasier and do that, which was amazing, everything I wanted. But at the same time, I suddenly got this weird out-of-the-blue offer to go on an overall deal with Brilstein Gray and become the second in command to the Larry Sanders show oh, uh, right. where I would where I would run it or not run it, I would be second under Paul Sims right. who um, was had been running it I would take a year to learn this show and then I would run that show okay so at the time like those were like sort of the two yeah. like two of yeah. the best shows on television <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ever, and suddenly maybe. I had this like kind of crazy decision to make and I'll try to make it short it was it was torturous a friend of mine once said, Oh, that you know, so you're trying to choose between Fraser and Larry Sanders. That must be tough for you. Yeah, <laughs> right. Asshole. And um but it was it actually was hard. And I ultimately decided that um I since I had already written Fraser's, since I had already done multicam, I could probably grow more as a writer by joining Larry Sanders.
3: Yes, there's one for the Jews. We got him. We got him again.
5: Uh, Yeah. And, uh, you know, because it was single camera, it was something very, very different. And uh, I just felt- Was it closer to your house? it was uh oh. it was a little closer to my house there to the you
0: go oh,
3: good call mm. <laughs> yeah starting to rethink oh boy
5: <laughs> but uh it was that was a, a a very interesting experience it was both like fantastic for a while and then as so often happened on that show turns kind of dark and yes. things happen right. um but i ended up leaving that show uh and after about six months or something like that, I don't know if it was even that long. And um, very graciously, the Fraser guys um, kind of let me come back to oh, be cool. involved. And then, but it, because I was on an overall deal, I created Just you, Me while I was working on Fraser. So oh, that's wow. kind of how it happened.
3: Yeah, and I want to get to that because, I, as you pointed out, and you're right, Frasier, you know, along with maybe a couple other shows, Larry Sanders being one of them, was was the cream of the crop of shows. So was it a scary experience to say like, I'm consciously going to leave this to go do this other show, which I don't know if it's going to do anything? It was. Well, Larry Sanders was going, and that was already
5: yeah. a good show. It was. It was the hardest part was basically these guys had given me my first job. Oh the loyalty. And, right, right. And I I left the fold. Yeah. Um it in hindsight, I'm I'm half proud of the decision and half not so proud of that decision. Which is I'm proud of the fact that I wanted to keep stretching and putting myself in uncomfortable positions so that right. I could grow. Yeah. And so that was the that's why I did it, and and um, that was a good instinct. I'm not so proud of the fact that I left these guys who gave me a, a real break, right? And um, but you
3: ended up coming back together with them. I mean, I so did. You know, they- I, I,
5: I did. But and and you know, that was as much them really being very nice to me because they could have easily said, you know, go yeah. fuck yourself. Through, through <laughs> this, it sounds game. Like they, yeah.
0: they pegged you from the get go as someone with leadership potential. That if they if they wanted to depart and leave wings it's like hey we'll have this guy run wings and that someone else was well i wasn't running i
5: wasn't i i wasn't even running it i i was just a you know a person who had i think at that point i started to write like a lot of episodes and um so i i was just one of those you know uh workhorses on the staff at that point right yeah but because they were leaving it was good to have as many people who knew the show and who had, was doing it as possible but it, it was it was tough it, it was a very very tough decision and you know it's a, it's a thing I tell people all the time like you have to ultimately in this business do what's best for you as really? long as you're not being a complete asshole like you right, right. burned bridges everywhere so I tried to do it as nicely as I
3: could and like well, I said, um, clearly that worked because again, you you worked with those people again to great success. And now you, you sort of, uh, touched on this earlier that your, your first, uh, writing job was at Wings, but was that your first job in LA? When did you come out to LA? What was that like? And, and how tough was it actually kind of getting onto a staff? Well, uh, it's actually my third career, third, oh, wow. uh, TV writing
5: is like third-ish, maybe even fourth career. Wow. Um, So I did a number of things before then. I I was a, uh, my first job out of school, you guys, I mean, you probably know this because you probably recognize me as the morning anchor of good morning, Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> oh, right? I was uh, getting to you, that. You, you tipped you, it. it <laughs> I mean, you knew that, that is, everybody pretends they don't remember that, but That's hilarious. Uh, I was a t- I was a TV news guy for uh, a little while. And then, um, and then I went into advertising. I worked at Leo Burnett in Chicago and then, you know, I had started writing, Uh, Spec scripts and doing all that stuff, not knowing what I was going to do with them, not knowing anybody in Hollywood, and um, ultimately I got some advice from somebody who said, "If you want to, you know, be in that business, you got to move out to L.A." Mm -hmm. So I took a job um, at Disney doing trailers and and TV and radio commercials for uh, Disney and Touchstone movies, and so that was my fourth career. So you were editing TV news. I was writing producing oh, right. editing wow every uh, all of it um <laughs> oh. i was like a one-man band right.
3: oh so you uh, would you that. would write like the narration voiceover for trailers like you know and you i
5: would i would cut it i would i would take the movie and cut it and do the whole thing and like uh, i did the uh uh like the the foreign trailer for pretty woman for example that's what <laughs> <a long laughs> you know um, <laughs> they call yeah, it be-
3: belfam was... Femme. euro <laughs> horror <laughs> right <laughs> euro yeah. uh, <you're> Whore. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Yeah. whore. Uh, <laughs> but that's that's so that's also inspiring that you um, you know as successful as you are in this business you were unsure of how to get in or whether you should get in because oh, yeah. I think a lot of the the writers that we talk to feel that way a lot of writers feel that way before they actually get out here they're just like well I don't know maybe can I I don't know how and then your your friend who I, gave you the advice I mean, did they really helped you out
0: leap your yeah. uh, did your script leapfrog the pile
5: or you know did you know someone on a
0: staff and and get it in that way or? I didn't
5: know anybody it got into a pile on, on wings and Wow. And um, two writers, uh, Bill uh, Diamond and Mike Saltzman, saw it in that pile and liked it and, and I came in and, and, and pitched some stories that, that they kind of liked and um, uh, you know wrote that script. They liked it. It was you know, it it's sort of an amazing wow. experience. And then you know I still remember I, I turned in my script that, that I got to write, and I brought it into the office and they said, you know we're shooting our first episode this uh, Friday or Tuesday or whatever it was. Um, You know, why don't you come to the show and watch it? And I was like, I'd never seen a sitcom. I was, oh my God, yes, I'd love to. (laughs) And so I went with my, um, you know, then girlfriend and, and I was sitting in the stands, you know, a few nights later and all of a sudden it dawns on me, they invited me before they read my script and, oh. and, and nobody, uh, and nobody's looking at me and, right. um, oh no, it was a disaster. And I'm freaking out and I'm, I can't believe I'm on a set and I'm like, how do these actors do it? They must be so nervous and all that. And I was sure that I bombed. but afterwards the, the David Angel, who, um, yesterday being the anniversary of 9-11, we yes, lost a 9-11 sadly. Very, very sadly, was yep. such a wonderful guy. He uh, asked me to come down to the set and he we walked onto the set and he said, you know, we really liked your script and we'd love you to join the staff. And it was like, oh. a, you know, one of those top five moments in my life, wow. really. Wow, uh, that's amazing. You know, I'm standing on a sitcom stage being asked to join the staff by these legendary writers. It was really an incredible
3: moment. Wow. That's fantastic. Wow, that's that's amazing. I, I had almost the opposite moment when I... Uh, my, my family is somehow family friends with uh, Jimmy Burroughs. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so when I was in college, I came out to L.A. for spring break, and uh, I was sitting up in the stands of a, of a season one episode of Friends that he <laughs> oh, wow. was, uh, you know, obviously he was directing them then, and I, I got to have an audience with him. And, of course, I didn't at that time fully appreciate how crazy that was, you know, right. that the Jimmy right. Burroughs, who is like the, the greatest director in television history, is right. going to give me any of his time. But to me, I was like, you know, I didn't really know. So I just approached him and, and, and he, he came up to me and I said, yeah, you know, like, do you have any advice for this is something I'm thinking about doing? And he said, no, just get your foot in the door. And then he turned around and left. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right. Don't overthink don't don't, don't ever it, darling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 So um, what, that, what an amazing moment for you. Yeah. Um, he just wrote a
0: book, Jim Burroughs, and that's that's one of the chapters. <laughs> <'Cause we, laughs> His meeting, <laughs> meeting with It's about me. meeting with me. Young kid. Of a course. Kid. <laughs> hey, uh, just yeah. getting your foot in the door. <laughs> uh-huh.
3: um, now, I, got, I have insider information uh, from Uh-oh. Hannah while we're on this survey of general sitcom topic, (laughs) that the thing that you feel is most important about any show are the characters. And uh, I would just ask you to elaborate on that a little bit, because in the world of Family Guy, obviously, we're very joke first. We're joke driven. We're not thinking about, is this in character for this character? It's kind of like a joke at any cost. It, so now, is are, are characters the things that you first think of when you're going to write a script, or do you think of like a situation, or does it vary?
5: Well, first of all, I don't necessarily agree with what you just said about Family Guy, because, you know, like Stewie is such an amazing character, for example, that, that you know, you, you can't put that... His lines in anybody else's mouth. Well, that that's um, true. Stewie accepted, yeah. I guess, is true. But we do <laughs> yeah. often
3: we do often swap lines on Family Guy. I <laughs> will say that we'll do, just give that one to Lois. Well, uh, <laughs> everybody uh, sometimes
5: everybody will do that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I mean, character is is everything, and it's what keeps you from having to write like j- jokey jokes to to make a show funny. I, I, again, I I don't agree. You know that because Family Guy is loaded with. Attitude and 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 those only certain characters can say certain and do certain things and it makes sense. So, but I've been in situations I've done this enough times, done it you know fairly well and done it not as well, where I have put enough time into the characters. Like I did a show once where you know I had a lot of the characters figured out and then there was going to be like oh and then there's this sassy bartender who lives downstairs or who works downstairs and she's just like sarcastic. Yeah and she's a wonderful actress and, and, you know, she is funny and and all that. But at the end of the day, it was really hard because that's it. That's all I gave her. I didn't give her the built in inherent dynamics that were needed. So I understood fully how she fits in this puzzle. Like what makes her the compelling, compelling person to walk in that door other than she's, you know, sarcastic. Right. So, um, you know, over time, I've distilled it down into a you know way I think about things when I'm thinking of new shows. Um, I have this very—I call—I I could get very nerdy and. Uh, oh, well, this is
3: it. what Han- this on. is what Hannah promised. She said, "My dad oh, loves to boy. give the character speech." Yeah, yeah, please, boy. I want it. Oh yeah. boy, and it's
0: hard not to take it personally.
2: <laughs>
5: <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I. I Okay, so I call it two points in a line. Uh, Is not, that's not a very even cl- even a clever name, but you know, you start with a give it a point, and that's a character, right? And I'll use the um, two of the best comedy characters of all time, and and, and Felix and Oscar from The yep. Odd Couple. And so you start with uh, Oscar, and he's the world's messiest man, and he doesn't give a shit about anything, and he takes life. Yeah, nothing bothers him, and you know, he's kind of given up on life and blah, blah, blah. And now you draw another point on that board and you put a line between those two points. And that line, you know, if it's another messy guy, that the line is like, okay, you know, it's great. It's great, but it's nothing exciting. If you want to make that line crackle like an like a electrical wire, you know, like it's really alive, you start tweaking that other point. Yeah. And you say, wait a minute! I want to. Oh, okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make him the opposite. I'm gonna make him the neatest guy in the world. I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him uh, um, asthma or you know, this thing. And I'm gonna make. <laughs> oh, and Oscar loves smoking cigars. <laughs> right. And I'm gonna you know do uh, do this and do that. And I'm gonna start tweaking it so that 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 dynamic is the thing that's important. So it's that line, the dynamic that is the that that I'm most concerned about. And the way to get to that is to just keep dialing those. Then you add a third character into a show. Let me go, I'll give you a different example. So Sam and Diane, you know, you start with this jock and he's uh, uh, he's always been about his body and his hair and his vanity and chasing yeah. women. And then you throw in Diane, this academic, this snob, and you put them together and now you can understand why that line crackles. So let's throw in another character, you know, in walks Carla. Yep. So why is Carla a great... You know, I draw lines between those two characters. Now you have a triangle, right? Mm-hmm. So the line between Sam and, and, and Carla, how can that crackle? Well, we don't necessarily need everybody to be opposites or always in conflict. Okay, Carla idolizes Sam, is in love with Sam. And that and that's enough of a thing where she Sam can do no wrong. Right. And 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 Sam's protective of Carla. Carla and Diane now, that's interesting. She's <laughs> jealous. Carl is jealous of, of of Diane because she can see that Sam likes Diane, and she doesn't like that, and she doesn't like uh, pretentious people, so she hates her for that. And and Diane does not get this little person who's had too many <laughs> kids and all this, and so the the, the the dynamics live. And then you keep doing it; you add another point, and now you're drawing lines between every one of those characters, and you're trying to figure out those dynamics. Wow! And then you'll find you'll find that. Certain times you go, I can't figure out the dynamic. And then it will make you start to think, well, maybe this character isn't necessary. Or maybe it's not the right character. Right. And so it it, it takes a lot of work to do it that you're understanding why. So I'll give you another example of it. Um, In Modern Family, I could do this with every (laughs) character. But, but, you know, you had the two daughters, right? And I could have just done two daughters. But no, we have to make them different from each other so that there's something there's a it's it's alive it's not just the two daughters yeah no one is the popular one has lots of boys not the smartest one very fashion centric and and all that one is the really smart over neurotic nerd Mm -hmm. who's not good with boys and and all that so you're you're creating those dynamics at every at every step no matter how small the character is you're trying to understand fully how they fit in and that's I see it time and time and time again when I read pilots that people haven't put enough work into that process. Like, I think when, you know, when Chris and I were writing Modern Family, because we had 11 characters in that pilot. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I bet you we did about, I don't know, it could have been four to six weeks before we started writing the script where we were just doing that kind of stuff. That, you know, that kind of work. That's because amazing. It's the, hardest, it's the hardest part, you know, just to get that right. And if you get that right, then writing the episodes is so much easier. Yeah. Because you either you either put the hours in in the beginning and get it right, or you're going to be sitting there all night trying to figure out what the fuck are we supposed to do with this character? We have nothing for him. Well, <laughs> oh, you know, okay, he's uh, he's got insomnia, and he's you know, like you're, you're yeah. coming up with stupid things, just you know, whatever, because you, you you have nothing else for him to do. So that's really. Well,
0: I, th- I think. A- a mistake people make, and they're almost encouraged to do it, is that they think that saying like a Zoey Deschanel type in, in a parenthetical sort of does that for them. Yeah. You know, right. They think that's that's the work, is you go, well, you know, and you've seen her, so you know she's like quirky. Right. But that's just, <laughs> that's nothing. Yeah. That's not as, development. As you're us, yeah. It's like, just... you've done nothing.
5: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think it's really good. You're right. I think it's really good to to start with archetypes that are pretty broad and basic, you know, the slob, the neatnik, the whatever, the whatever, the the womanizer, this the academic. And then, you know, you start adding a couple more adjectives to it, but you really need to understand it. And you, you should be able to be able to go, he's the the dad who still thinks he's a kid. He's the uh open-hearted dad that everything is dramatic and, you know, if, if you just start with that, like the second example was uh, Cam on Modern Family, for example. He's the open-hearted dad. Everything is just, he's just, he's just an open hug, right? Yep. Yeah. But then, you know, that's how you start him. And if he stayed that way, then he's a one-note character and he is an archetype and nothing more. But then you start adding more to it. He's strong and he's, he's tough. He's, he's a football coach. Um, right. You know, he played college football you know, uh, all all these different things. So you, you start, you build on it over time. And that might be in the pilot and through dialogue and through things where you're, you're subverting expectations a bit. But if you don't, I've heard people like uh, they describe a character to me and it's so nuanced. I might, I don't even know what you're saying. And you just talk told me about this character for, for, you know, a minute, like boom, tell it to me who's this, who's this character in five words or, You know, eight words. And if you can't do that, essentially, it's going to be really hard for you to
3: start to differentiate everybody. God, I wish we had talked to you before dads, is all I can say, because I just just learned so much way too late. But that was...
0: That is so well said, and I think you had any- two points on top of each other. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you had four points. Four, four points boys. directly stacked <laughs> up. Hey.
3: Uh, but no, honestly, for our for our listeners, that was just incredible <laughs> advice. If you're if you're out there writing a pilot and you're thinking about how do I make these characters interesting or what you know that that line uh, lesson is is a really cool one. Yeah. Can
0: I ask for- a technical question? Because it sure. sounds like I, I think you're of the level that you, do you still pitch or do you say like, here's the area I'm kind of thinking and here's a script because it, um, because to me pitching 11 characters, like for modern family, I would go in and say like, I don't understand. I can't even keep 11 people. Like if I go in a room, you introduce me to 11 people. I'll just be like, I don't, I don't know what just, ha- I <laughs> I don't, rem- I remember the third guy, you know, <laughs> whereas how you pitch like. That.
5: Interestingly, like, as I said, I am a techno nerd. I really am. I'm, I'm a, yeah. I, I, I'm an early adopter. I'm all those things. So I, uh, we had 11 characters to introduce and we had to, um, if you remember in the modern family pilot, you saw these, you met these three different families and it wasn't until the very end that you realized that they were the same family. And that was the right twist. Yeah. So we wanted to give the people receiving the pitch the same experience. So I did a keynote presentation of, you know, on my computer yeah. and I think I I might have been the first person to do that because the the network executives said like wow we, we've never seen this before <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, wow but it did it laid it out where I had pictures I had like prototypes of 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 who I you know like just and, and some of the actors we got and some we didn't but I had I had that and I laid it out here's this family and it, here's those those the, the pictures and here's the bullet points of those character descriptions I just told you about and um, you know how they all interact and okay here's another family that we're gonna see. Boom, 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 boom. And then here's a third family we're going to see. And I, each, each character, one at a time, you know, appearing on the screen. And then I went, but here's the big twist. These three characters were actually, you know, father, daughter, sister, brother, you know. And, yeah. um, and that's, that's how we did it because it's hard. It is hard to track it when you're listening to all that. So that yeah. was my, my way of doing well, it. That-
1: okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
3: It's funny that you bring that up because I was, I was listening to you talk about this earlier today. So a couple of questions I have for you. You said that you had some of the actors in mind and some you found through casting. Apparently you looked at like thousands of people for casting for this. But yeah. um, I heard you say you had Ed O'Neill and one other person in mind. Can you reveal who that other person was?
5: It was uh, Craig T.
3: Nelson. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh. He's a funny guy. He yeah. would have great. Did you know? Um, Did you know him through through? I didn't. I didn't. We met him. Um,
5: I don't know. It was weird. We were we were very much on the fence because they are both wonderful actors. They're both. They both. I think he would have been great too. And at first, the network kind of said maybe we'd give the edge to Craig. And then I don't know. We just got this. That's when you knew to go to. (laughs) No, no. And then we were were going down that road, and 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 we just started hearing things about what a great guy Ed O'Neill was, and. And we really liked talking to them, and we just—I don't know—we just changed our minds. And yeah. um, you know, funny, there there were so many ways that we we could have screwed up the casting of that show. Yeah. We just got
3: incredibly lucky yeah i'm, uh, I'm reading because i'm reading terrible things could have happened i'm reading between yeah. the lines that maybe you heard craig t nelson was a huge t asshole but we're not gonna we're not gonna focus on that <laughs> oh, <God>. um <laughs> i it, goldie I, By the tell way, my you, wife used to compelled. work for that show
0: the district and said he was a lovely man oh, oh okay there nice. we go there yeah, we go. I, I,
3: I'm not going to let you do that. I, I, Steve's. No, I Steve's feel bad abstaining. for needing
5: you, you to think that. Now, but,
3: yeah. <laughs> it was kind of your fault. And now I, another very funny uh, story you had in there that I'd I'd love for you to tell again is how you buying your son a, a BB gun may have inadvertently helped uh, get Modern Family on the air.
5: Yeah. So <laughs> I wanted a BB. I want God. I wanted a BB gun when I was a kid. I. Yeah. I just was obsessed and um I because a friend of mine had a shooting gallery in his house. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Oh, wow. And I my parents would never let me have one. So my son wanted um an airsoft gun, uh, which is those little plastic, you know, BB. Yeah. I'm very anti-gun, by the way. Sure. Um, yes. I'm we all are. Very strong anti-gun person. So I said, because of my memories of the kid, I said, listen, I will get you this, you know, airsoft gun and we we'll set up a target in the backyard. But if you ever shoot Anything living, a person, an animal, anything, I'm going to shoot you. (laughs) And and so he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So one day he's, you know, I'm in the kitchen and whatever. All of a sudden I hear his cousin scream, you know, like yell. (laughs) And it turns out my son had shot his cousin. And, um, so I said, that's it. You know, I, we made this deal, line him up. I thought this was very good parenting by the way. Yes. And he, and he quickly, you know, he, he ran upstairs and he, uh, threw on like five pairs of underwear and, six hats and a parka. And, you know, I lined him up and, um, he turned around and he was, yeah, and we filmed it. Like, we videotaped it because I thought it was hilarious. And, uh, and, um, and I shot, and I shot him.
3: And, um,
5: uh, and he didn't feel it, and he pretended to feel it, so I shot him again until he felt it. And then, Good. Uh, and then that was it. So we were pitching to um, ABC, which was the first place we pitched Modern. F- well, maybe it wasn't. I don't even know. But it, we were pitching to ABC, and, and they said, well, what kind of stories are you going to tell? And I thought of, you know, that BB gun story as like as a possibility <laughs> we had talked about it. And then it all of a sudden occurred to me because I had that PowerPoint presentation. Oh, I said, yeah. you know what? I think I have this videotape. Of, of this. And I showed him the videotape. <laughs> and, you know, it was so funny that um, that uh, they 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 kind of they bought it right away. And they bought
3: it in the room. They bought it in the room. Mm-hmm. And
5: um, that scene is very much like it was in the pilot other than what happens
3: immediately afterwards, That's but uh, that, yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it lives. That's so uh, awesome. Amazing. That's yeah. so awesome. And now while we're, while we're talking about modern family, which when, when did you know that you had a, a, I'll say a generational comedy on your hands? Like, when did you know that? Cause obviously everybody goes into their shows, Wanting to, you know, wanting it to go well and wanting it to be funny if it's a comedy and you want it to be good and you want people to like it. When did you become aware that all of those things were happening and probably beyond even where you ever thought uh, they would? Like it it just kind of Modern Family really was one of the last shows to explode and dominate. And so when did you know that that was happening?
5: Yeah, I mean, we 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 liked it. We thought it was good, but we didn't know. Like you know, would it play? Will people buy you know Ed and Sophia together what right. you know, what will be the response to mitch and cam we, we we didn't know for sure we we knew that we liked it and we felt good about it yeah then and and as you mentioned you you have to whenever you do a pilot, you have to fall in love with it, otherwise you'll kill yourself halfway through the week, like you have to think it's good or something right. mm-hmm. about it is redeemable, and um otherwise it's just the worst experience in the world. So, you know, we felt good about it, but, but we, we, we had each done enough bad things or things that bailed that, um, you know, we're not getting ahead of ourselves, but then, you know, it gets picked up and then, um, there we're doing upfronts back when TV was, was, uh, glamorous. And, um, (laughs) and, uh, I got a call from Steve McPherson saying, um, we're not going to show clips for Modern Family at the upfront tomorrow, and I've been through like a thing with Just Shoot Me, where like we're, you're on the schedule, you're off the schedule. I'm like, yeah, are you fucking Come kidding on. me? He goes, not again. He goes, he goes, we're going to show the whole pilot. <gasps> oh oh wow. my oh, god! Wow. Now, now what an awesome feeling. <laughs> that's so, <amazing>. so <laughs> that is that is something that's happened. It's so rare. It's it's happened only a handful of times in TV. But the last time it had happened was for the show Joey. Uh-huh. No, yeah, which was yeah. the friend oh. spinoff and, and they yep. they were feeling very confident and they you know here we are in radio city musical and they aired it or they showed the whole thing and it it just i apparently i wasn't there yeah. from stories i've heard it did not play well it, i can I imagine that flat. <laughs> that seems credible. i i i, I have no judgment on it That's That's okay yeah so that is instantly, you know, Jew, that's instantly on my mind. Like, oh, no, we're, we're going to lay flat. It's going to kill us. Oh, no, I um, got what I wanted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, all my wildest dreams have come true. Um, you know, they, it was at uh, uh, Lincoln Center. Lincoln Center. Wow. You know, crazy big thing, the whole yeah. thing. I, I remember I was sitting... Um, with Ty Burrell Mm -hmm. and with Sarah Hyland. They were the only two Mm -hmm. other actors who came to the scene. They snuck in the back. Uh, I mean, they uh, snuck in, not because they were famous, they just came in late, because nobody knew them. And they played it. And it just started working, and the laugh started rolling. And Uh. people were (sighs) laughing. Every laugh got louder and louder and louder. (laughs) And then by the time we got to the um, Lion King moment at the end of that show, the place erupted into a massive (laughs) Uh, applause. And we are just, we are just, we're looking at each other like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) Like, like, we couldn't believe it. right? (laughs) Right. And then, and then we, you know, that was the end of the upfronts. It just, you know, a huge ovation for the thing. We walk out and I saw instantly their lives change. Sarah oh. Serendu- i saw yeah. it in in front of my eyes they walked wow. in anonymous and they walked out and every single person was congratulating them and oh my god i love this it was so they was so great and whatever oh. and um of course the writer wasn't even noticed um but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, perfect i'm with them uh all right, uh, all right, no, all right no, no. Nice.
3: um but it was it was an amazing it was an amazing thing. Uh, so that's a great answer for that. I wow. mean that's yeah. that's more than a moment where you you yeah. know that you're 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 more than on the right track. So now yeah. just can taking I, Can I can interject yeah, go a little ahead. bit? go. go My ahead. My
0: last show, they, they flew me up to Upfronts. 3 hour long presentation. There's a lot that goes on. They're showing they're showing shows cuz there's so much vertical integration. They're showing shows that are on like Nat Geo on, on like a Wednesday and like discover it's like like I okay and then at one point Scott Van Pelt interviews Eli Manning live on stage even though it's like March like there's no football to be played there's nothing and then they don't show the show oh no. and, I'm, and I'm like oh and then afterwards the executives come up and like so we'll see at the party I'm like no. No. Oh, no, 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 no. That. And then it's, it's like you just know it's cancelled already. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm gonna go so.
5: to the bar and, yeah, yep. and spend my per diem. <laughs> yep. Uh,
3: that's exactly what I did. <laughs> at the at the upfronts for dads, um I left in the middle because I had diarrhea <laughs> and, I, and I went across I had to like scoot across the park to get to my hotel so I could have diarrhea in my home court. But oh you know what? If
5: if you looked at their schedule, they
3: had diarrhea too. I know. I know. So. Well, that actually that actually leads me to my next question, which is why can't Fox do multicam? Because you had a, you had Kelsey Grammer and Patricia Heaton on Back to You, who are two of the best... Ida Field. Well. The, that's right. Well, no, two it friend. was...
5: No, no. It wasn't just Kelsey Grammer, Patricia Heaton. It was... Those two, Ty Burrell, oh, Fred yes. Willard, Josh Gad, oh. right. Jimmy Burroughs directing, what? Chris
3: Lloyd and I creating, and... Um... And I watched that pilot and it was funny. It was exactly what I wanted it to be when I saw that cast. So wh- that was clearly like a Fox thing. They cannot push a multicam. Like, What do you think it is about the Fox network that makes it tough to have a multicam latch on there?
5: I don't know. I don't, Fox was, I tried so many times to do a show for Fox because I was on this, you know, 20th deal and I never succeeded there. And I really came to the conclusion that it is just not a place for me. It was a schizophrenic schedule. It changed twice a year. They would, they would launch a show for two weeks then put on baseball for four weeks and your show would disappear. You could get no momentum. They had no, nine or ten o'clock show. So you didn't have like a uh people parking their asses for a night or right. you couldn't do a it was just it just didn't I, I don't know, it just didn't feel like a, a place for sophisticated comedy, you know, other than, believe me, uh I'm a big fan, other than, you know, Sunday night, which they got, you know, they they, they developed a personality for Sunday night and it totally. worked. But yeah but they didn't do that elsewhere. And you know a big part of that reason, I do think, for a long time, was baseball. Um, right, right. But well, then yeah, they were also—they yeah. didn't have faith. They just didn't. They would get scared, and you mm-hmm. know, I mean, different people. And I, I listen. I'm not, I, I'm not one to complain about that stuff too much because, listen, if if Back to You had been on CBS, it would have run for ten years. Yeah, absolutely. But then then we wouldn't have created Modern Family. So totally. Um, oh, yeah. So. I can zero complaints, it worked but, out the right way, yeah. I'm, I'm, it wouldn't be fair. Well, so, and
3: also, the you were you ever in a situation where you had to have Tim McCarver say, like, it back to you, yeah. this, you know, <laughs> yeah, like they, yeah. I, that always, bugs me. Yeah, yeah, like, and of yeah. course, the new Fox cavity back to you, <laughs> it's yeah. like, why are you talking about my job? That's a strike, this, <laughs> this will strike you as funny, back to you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and just a scant six weeks from now. <laughs> regular programming yeah. is back. yeah yeah <laughs> um well so that was it was for the best that that fox couldn't get their shit together for you there um, yeah. but yeah i, I, I do I, wonder
0: because those things often then turn into a discussion about the marketing of the show and having done the the trailers and come up in advertising you must be deadly in those meetings because i would go in and mm-hmm. kind of go I don't know if you're telling me it's this. I I kind of have to believe you, I guess, because I don't know anything. But if you've cut trailers and such, you must <laughs> just be like, "Listen, stop lying."
5: <laughs> well, it was it's it's, it's funny because I'll tell you. Th- okay, so back to you. I I said, listen. I, it is my pet peeve. These you know, you watch the you look at the one sheets for uh, you know the posters for an FX. Show or an HBO show, a comedy, and, and it's sophisticated. And there, you know, it's the headline pays off the I- image. It's just like, you know, good advertising. Yeah. And, um, but then all the network stuff is just like really cheese ball. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I just, you know, I, I gave my big speech, guys, please. I'm, I, it, I care about this stuff. You know, I really would like it to be more sophisticated than that. Blah, 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 blah. Long story short, I'm pulling in one day and. <laughs> There's an image of Kelsey Grammer and Patricia Heaton re- standing back to back in Hello. that cheesy thing. Deadly. They're tangled up in a microphone cord oh. and the the tag the line is the news has hit the fan.
2: Oh no. And so
5: I called the head of the network at that time who fancied himself quite the marketer and I said I said what is this? Like, I don't understand this. And this. he said, what do you mean you don't understand it? I go, I don't understand this line at all. He goes, well, it's a play on the shit has hit the fan, but we put the word news in instead. I said, I understand that part of it, but I don't understand what it has to do with anything. You know, like, how is it and, and he didn't, he, you know, well, we like it and that's oh, um, There, there so was this, for,
0: oh, sorry, go ahead, please.
5: No, 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 no. <laughs> I would say this time around, like I'm doing this show on Hulu, they've been much, much better. They, they actually, the guy who said, who does that stuff, he goes, I was really happy to hear that you did trailers. Cause now you understand, you know, our language. And, yeah. and so we had a really great. And the trailer's great, things. which I yeah. I
0: just watched. Uh, well, I, I want to talk. I just have to linger on Fox for one second, because <laughs> when I had this show making history, they they had Brooklyn Nine Nine, and the the poster for Brooklyn Nine Nine, it was them and the you know probably leaning back to back or whatever, and it said shift happens, <laughs> and I was That's like, the same thing. And, and so I That's the
2: same before thing. we oh knew
0: God. there it is before <laughs> we knew what was yeah. gonna, what was going to happen with our show, I I said to them like. I just don't want something like shift happens. Like I think we've got a historical element. We've got a lot of cool stuff going on. Jared has directed it. Like everything looks really good. I think we could do something. So the first thing they present me with is our characters leaning back to back, whatever, which whatever you kind of expect they're going to do that, and it says time just took a shift. <laughs> What's like, going I, on? I, I said I didn't want the word shift to be used in place of shit. I have said
5: so, that somewhere there was a there was a copywriter who was like, I'm about to get my third one on. <laughs> <Yeah>. I did <came> that <laughs> to you, and I, <laughs>
0: I did Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh, and I'm going to get strategy <laughs> with shift is close to shit. It's like, come
3: on. I always yeah. I always wanted to uh, when they had that show Rake. With Greg Kinnear, when when that was being canceled, I always wanted them to put the big poster up there that just said, Rake Leaves. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, do it to yourself. Um, So you brought up up Reboot, and we have watched the trailer, and it's very funny. It's great. Um, And it's going to be on Hulu again September 20th. Now, Reboot uh, gives you a chance to create a comedy, essentially about creating a comedy, and you get to do writer's room stuff and That's you have awesome. a lot of behind the scenes stuff that you know intimately. So tell us a little bit about how you came up with this idea and was this a liberating thing for you or was it in a weird way sort of restrictive to write about mm. the process you've been through so many times?
5: Yeah well it, it, it was liberating and it was uh, cathartic. Um, yeah. Oh good. The idea occurred to me during Modern Family when Roseanne the Roseanne reboot blew yeah. up, yep. you know, when she had her whole thing and she got fired from the show. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself that day, well, that's the show I want to see is like, what's going on <laughs> on that, <laughs> on that stage today. Like, what the fuck are they all saying and doing and thinking yeah. and, and all that? Like that must be fascinating. Yeah. So then I thought about, you know, for these people who have come back after all these years and uh, what must have gone into that like it just, it just seemed like an interesting area. Like, Oh, a bunch of people coming back feels like a, a, a good idea for a show. But I was had another two or three years left of modern family. I'm sure somebody will have this idea. Um, <laughs> so, so, Oh, well, uh, not my time, but you know, lo and behold, no one did. I never saw it. And then, you know, COVID happened and I had some time. Yeah. So, um, I started to, you know, just think about it. And, um, And I at first I thought it was just a a chance to do a show with funny characters. You know, like sometimes in order to get really a really good show, you have to you know a a character you have to have a really outlandish dentist or something like that. Well, you know, you know that dad who is really this or that. But in our business, we have uh, no shortage of outlandish people who work yes. in this business <laughs> and giant egos and yep. and and artists who are struggling and you know all those every weird combination. So it just felt like a natural area to start playing around in and then you know I started thinking about it and it went through a million different variations in the beginning as I tried to hone in on what the right makeup of the cast was and and from whose point of view right. is it and how do I you know, balance it all out and get the right amount of heart and comedy, and uh, you know what did I want to say about all this? So, right. it gave me an, an incredible opportunity to say a bunch of things that I I really wanted to to deal with in our in our business. But I should say it's not a. Some people might be surprised to find that it's not a negative look at our business. It is not a, a cynical show. I actually. Think because I I love this business like as fucked up as it is at times and mm-hmm. you know, we've all had those moments you know going to the upfronts and not seeing yeah. your your show up there and I you know I've had actors get on a plane and fly to New York only to be told you didn't make the schedule and you know all that kind of stuff yeah. um, there are heartbreaking moments but you know I all you don't have to walk very far outside your house to see people who Uh, would do anything to get to do what we do. So I'm I'm so ridiculously grateful. And as I said, I've surpassed all my expectations here. So this business has been very good to me. So I I, I think there's a nice way to to hit all of that, to make smart observations about it, to have fun with it. Right. right? And to get everybody to be able to kind of laugh at themselves. You know, the pretentiousness of writers, the pretentiousness (laughs) of actors, the ridiculous things we all have to say and do at times. You know, like, we, you know, I really have fun with Hulu executives in this show. <laughs> and
3: the Hulu executives loved it. Yeah. They they, were, they love it. They think that it's was, hilarious. That was a, that that was, that yeah. was a great line yeah. in, yes. in the trailer. Like, she's like, I'm not really, I don't get, oh. you know, I'm not that funny yet. Well, what are you? I'm EVP of comedy. Like, that was a great, perfect, I've been, I've been doing it two months, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now, yeah, did we you... Have- Oh, sorry. Did you put yourself into Paul Reiser in this show? I mean, is that a little bit of you mm-hmm. in his character? The wardrobe earned their money with his sweater, by the way, because the sweater
0: just... Now I know who that writer is. The <laughs> you know, sweater Paul Reiser is oh, wearing. It's like, I, 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 I get it. I, I, I understand this man 100%.
5: Paul had the vision for that, uh, for his outfits. Uh, he, <laughs> okay. he really... Uh, I had him being a little bit cheesier, but... Uh, I'm glad he did he made the right moves. He has such great instincts on that. Oh wait, what was the question again? Oh,
3: I was is there a little bit of you in Paul Reiser? Oh,
5: oh I mean it. Yeah, yeah, sure because during it I found myself in situations like when you, I had some, you know, really young writers on this show and I did find myself in those situations where I was being told things were not were no longer okay to say or do right. Or things don't this isn't really true or that isn't true. And this and I'm and I'm in there going, no, I don't think so. I don't think and sometimes I was right and sometimes they were right. And I found it interesting that I'm now that guy. I think I'm a step, you know, I, I'm five years or so younger than Paul, I think. But uh there's a lot of me in that. There's me in in the other character as well. And you know, I can't help but Bring a lot of people I know into that whole world. I'm constantly drawing on, oh, that guy, or that that assistant director. Let's let's do him for that character. Right. And it was very very important to, for me to make the show authentic. I, I was a stickler about that. I said to the writing staff and then eventually the production staff, like, this is what we do for a living. If we can't make this real, like other comedy writers need to watch this show and. Feel like oh yeah that's the way it works yeah that's how it happens yeah and if we don't then we're just not doing our jobs
0: yeah are any of the Which writers playing themselves in the show or are they
5: no all actors no they're all uh no we do we use any writers no, one of our writers played a, a security guard once. No, no, yeah, that's probably a wise policy. We did have our 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 writers
3: PA um, take lunch orders for the, uh,
5: <laughs> on, on
3: camera for that's that. A, time, so yeah, that's, that's a good funny. call. Yeah. That's a good call. And now, how many episodes are they releasing them all at once? Are they what, what's? I forget what the Hulu does with shows like that.
5: They're going to do um, three the first night, and then. Um, one a week over the next five weeks. We did a total of eight. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm really proud of it. I, 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 didn't know at first it was, it wasn't easy. You know, it's, it was a, you know, tough birth um, because there were so many different things happening. There's a lot going on. The pilot is very much setting a lot of things up. And then um, the second episode starts to pay some of that stuff off. And then you were getting into a, a different speed in the third episode. And, um, Figuring that all out, you know, I forgot I've been doing this, you know, Modern Family with a really senior staff of incredibly talented writers for 11 years. You forget how hard it is in the beginning because all you can yeah. like, wow, wow, we really knew so much about the Modern Family characters. Well, no, not the first week you didn't. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. How many? You, know, you, how knew, many you ma- knew a fair amount. I'm sorry.
4: How many main characters are, are in reboot?
5: In reboot? Yeah. Or Ooh. like how many um, points
4: did you have to tie?
5: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good memory. Um, good question. Uh, yeah, there, 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 we ended up having, I don't know, there's three, four actors, four people, actors playing actors. There's <laughs> yeah. two main actors playing writers. There's uh, network executives. Then there's, then there's a whole series of people that start flowing in. Oh, wow. Um, a writing staff starts flowing in eventually. Wow. And I get into the whole, you know, woke versus... Oh good! You know, <laughs> funny stuff and that plays out. <laughs> That's good. That's important. <laughs> That's well said, yeah. <laughs> and um <laughs> oops. And um
3: <laughs> <100 D> bullseye.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I just hope there's no uh, punching down. the
0: network executive i think i say loudly before any film starts to play in the theater just let everyone know
3: (laughs) yeah all right well so steve you have been so generous with your time and and who again it's reboot on hulu september 20th the first three will come out and then one a week. For five weeks after that. Steve, you were so nice to come on and, and, and talk to us today. Guys, it's a
5: pleasure. All of you, it's such a pleasure. Thank it you was so a much. pleasure
3: for us. Thank you so much. Yeah. And now it's time to get into a part of our show we like to call Top Five. Top Five. Oh, the soothing tones of us.
4: <laughs> I love
3: that. Us. Uh, JC, this was your top five yes. this week. Uh, t- tell, tell the folks what we're going to be talking about. The,
4: this week, top five TV dads.
3: Yes, top five TV dads. All right, if, if nobody cares, I'll just go first. I, mine is, uh, I don't know.
0: Yeah, please.
3: Paint by numbers. No, a
0: lot of people care. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay, go ahead.
3: <laughs> uh, oh, no. Uh, Boy. Uh, here we go. Uh, number five, I had Frank Costanza. From Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hilariously funny every time he was on screen, played by the great Jerry Jerry Stiller. Uh, Just absolutely a home run of a character. Yes. Great Uh, shirts. Great shirts. (laughs) Great cruise wear. Cruise wear. That's what he loved. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, Number four, Homer pick here, but I, I certainly believe in it. Peter Griffin.
4: Oh, I thought I think Peter well, Homer Gr- pick I would was, be. Yeah. I was literally like, wait, what?
3: Hometown pick. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hometown pick. Peter Griffin. I think Peter is. Uh, he's my favorite character on Family Guy. I think he's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of jokes per square inch, he's unbeatable. Nice. Uh, number three. Uh, number three. I got Ray. Ray Barone, <laughs> oh, he's a funny guy.
4: Oh, yeah. oh, great, I never saw, watched the show. So.
3: Oh, he didn't do a great. lot of,
0: as a dad on that show. He didn't
3: though, do a probably. lot of parenting, but it, <laughs> I, I give him credit, there's the a ton of husbanding, so I sort of have conflated yeah. the two. So, okay. I like that show, I, I love him, I think he's hilarious. Uh, number two, uh, this, you know, back to my youth. Could not ignore this man, Mike Brady. Oh yeah. Mike Brady a of the Brady. Such a great I thought he was such a great TV dad. I listened <laughs> to everything he said. Uh, I thought he handled every situation very well, very level headed and cool. Uh number one, this is should come as no surprise to our listeners, Tony Soprano. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I that think, was your number. One. Oh, that's a good one. He, he's a loving dad. And he's a provider, <laughs> for God's sake. He puts Gabagool on the table, so <laughs> got to give it to Tony at number one. That's my five, and I'm right. standing by it. All
0: right, uh,
4: I have. Overla- we both have overlaps, right? Goldie, what, we're all that? gonna have overlaps. We're all gonna have it.
0: Let's just accept it. <laughs> okay, why don't it. I
4: go, and then you go, and get- oh, it's not your week to do top uh, five.
0: You go. I'll go uh, because I'll, I have a, a new list, but I again, okay. I I want to revel in the overlap.
4: Okay, great. All right, uh, so my number five is Jerry Stiller. Um, no, ah. yeah. <laughs> so didn't uh, have to. Uh, oh, you know, nice. My number four is Mike Brady.
0: Ooh, um, major overlap. Yes, I think... just never cared about the Brady Bunch. Oh, I love like, it. Like I get, yeah. I get it, yeah. but I don't right. care. Right. <laughs>
4: okay, number three, and this is not because of our guest <laughs> Phil Dunphy from Modern Family.
3: Oh, oh my God. well done, I, I well that. done, yeah. hilarious, Very smart.
4: Um number 2 you guys will have no clue who, who this is Keith Mars from Veronica Mars
2: Yeah
0: He's no. the
4: greatest I loved he's he's a his good great dad. dad great dad yeah
2: Who
0: was was that Kristen Bell
4: Kristen Bell is Veronica Mars and the right. and nice. the,
0: the woman in the in the Nexium cult right was she on that N- show? No, but she looks
4: different? like... She, Kristen Bell and that woman, they look similar. Oh, but she was in. I like was that
3: hoping we'd get to talk something. about the Nexium cult now. Oh, Damn my ke- my kethos. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: and my number one is Coach Taylor from Friday oh, Night Lights. That's oh, that's a good
0: that's, one. That's a good one. <laughs> now I, I realize that I have Goldie, a couple of
3: Goldie, tell us your hilarious theory about uh, Coach Taylor as a coach. Well...
0: And this theory was published in Bill Simmons' mailbag on ESPN Ooh. back in the day because cool. I wrote in. I nice. love that. And actually, probably one of my top five accomplishments in writing was getting it But Coach Taylor is the single worst first half
2: <laughs> yes.
0: football coach in history. Like, his teams <laughs> just get out of the gate and fall so far behind. That's coaching. And then somehow – With only halftime to prepare, he then miraculously becomes a good coach every week. And you'd think someone would notice along the way, hey, coach, you're very bad at game preparation. Someone else should prepare for the game, maybe an assistant. You should not be doing the game plan. And then when we get to halftime, you make your adjustments, which you're very good at, and we'll win the game. Yeah, But there's some disconnect with the guy. That it's, I mean, I think he's like us. The more time he has, the worse he is.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. He should, he should have had a nice uh, dinner with Buddy Garrity, where he could have explained oh, that to him.
0: Oh. Yeah. God, I love Buddy Garrity's. I, I mean, now I, I honorary. On my, I'll just make him six on my list. <laughs> yes. and not even. Just I didn't think of it, but because a, because he was Buddy Garrity in the show and the movie. B, because yes. I met him in real life oh. at Cowboy Stadium. The actor Brad Leland, <laughs> wow. and he was. Buddy Garrity. Yeah.
4: Wow. So he's not even acting. So yeah. he's just
0: out there being Buddy Garrity. I love that. And <laughs> Wonderful that guy. To think about. So here's my list. Uh, yes. Number five, I know where my bread is buttered, Peter Griffin. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> nice. Very nice.
0: Number four, from the show Coach. Oh. Coach. <laughs> Coach.
4: Craig, Craig Teen Nelson? Craig
0: That's T. right. Nelson. We were just talking about it. He him, was right? a dad yeah. to interview. an adult daughter. That was a big part of the show. Uh, yeah. That she was around and he was like balancing work and life. He did and it very well. He did a good job. Oh, wow. da, 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 Number 3. Da, 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 da. Yeah. From the show cheers. Oh. Coach. <laughs> That's right. I went coach, coach. <laughs> you did that just went, for the I just, novelty. I just double coached you. I did, but also there's an incredible episode of Cheers with Coach's I daughter. It. I remember it. It's, it's that, one of the most heartbreaking, like beautiful yeah. episodes of TV.
3: So. It's that it's that goofy looking actress who used to be in a lot of stuff in the '80s, and she's trying to find love, right? And she gets jilted. Yes, yes. And and yeah. She says, "Why would anyone be with me?" I
0: right. Don't make me yeah. cry. Right. Yeah. Because right. yeah. anyway, she was goofy looking.
4: Oh shit.
0: <laughs> she was you know, unique. (laughs) Anyway, uh, number two, and this is simply to curry favor with our guest, a bald request for future considerations of employment, (laughs) a tip of the cap to a great writer, (laughs) Phil Dunphy.
2: Yes.
0: Uh, You guys are smarter (laughs) than I am. Yeah. (laughs) Just remember, Steve, Keep in some recess of your brain. Yeah. Oh, he will. <laughs> that one person ranked your glorious creation higher than the rest. <laughs> Wait,
2: my...
4: you're number two
0: or number one? He was my number two.
4: You're number two. Okay. Yeah, yeah you're right. I didn't right.
0: put him first. I'm not crazy. <laughs> uh, number one is you had him too
3: low, Frank Costanza. Oh, oh nice nice TV Dad ever. Oh, all I three agree. of us. He's, oh, three a, he's great. Rest in peace, Jerry yeah. Stiller. Yeah. That was a fun list, JC. Um, cool. was... so goldie you what do you have for us next week for top okay this five? is
0: a little bit of a curveball love okay. it okay it's the top five things you currently own or have ever owned the top oh. five possessions of your life wow be they meaningful things well they better that, be that that were sentimental to you or things <laughs> okay. that were of use to the you things that you no. took pride in I
3: already got goosebumps just thinking about it. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, okay. I got goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. That's a great. That's a great. Wow. Uh, great curveball. Great change yeah. of pace. Let's
0: not. Let's not. You know, delve into pop culture. Let's delve into us. Yeah. yeah. See <laughs> what makes us tick?
3: <laughs> that was a Bruce Hurst curveball. <laughs> the show
0: says this is we. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: All right. Okay. Well, now as our show says, let's end the show. On a high note. Yes, Tom and Max, you held it just the right amount of time. Uh, Would anyone like to go first? I'm also happy to. I would
4: like to go first. Go ahead.
3: I think I know what yours is going to be. No,
4: you do not. Okay, I don't.
3: Well, I know what it should be, but let's hear what it is. Oh,
4: no. I think maybe because we're doing this separately from our interview, (laughs) the high note this week is um, there's a new song that was uh, released from Stu's new record that we co-produced together. Oh. It features Angelo Moore from the band Fishbone, which
3: is if you are... Funky.
4: Yes, and punk and all that stuff, and... Punky. um, It's very punky, yeah. It was released... Last Night at Midnight, Ooh. and um, it's the second release from the record. And oh, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah, That's awesome. About
0: it. I once crowd surfed at a Fishbone yes. show. <laughs> yeah. that's you did? Yes, I yeah. love it. Oh, in college. So yes, that's exactly. Oh. All right,
4: anyway. All
3: right, that's a good high note. Thank I, you. I, I thought maybe because a certain player retired who was everybody's favorite, and you would honor that, but you decided yeah. to take a big Very dump on selfish. his head. Yes, <laughs> That's Instagram's good for that. <laughs> um, all right. I'll, I'll go next. There were a couple of good candidates, uh, you know, the Roger, Roger Federer, yeah. uh, the, the, also the president of Patagonia who decided yeah. to donate his whole company to climate change, which I think is great. Yes. But I'm going to do the, uh, the obvious and correct choice, which is Mr. Steve Levitan yeah. giving us his time. And boy was that interview he was so great he just imparted a, a lot of wisdom so he was very fun and funny lighthearted. the guy's getting married this weekend yeah or last weekend as you're listening to this um but yeah he was great it was awesome to have him as a guest and we thank him and that's my high yeah, note.
4: yeah
0: mine too it was it was a master class for was, sure yes. yeah he was. but great. I refuse to make it my high note because <laughs> yes. you know what I have a bone to pick with you two uh-oh. You can't make the guest your high note. Oh, I don't like it. High Uh-oh. note is supposed to be a high note for you, not just to kiss the guest's ass, even if they deserve it, <laughs> and to make yourself look good like you love the guest so much. And then, yep. if someone does a high note afterward that isn't the guest, well, then they look ungrateful and like yep, an asshole. That's
3: right. So, what's yours? <laughs>
0: Mine is my weighted blanket. <laughs>
3: Sorry, Steve Levitan.
4: But wait, that should be in your top five next week. Oh yeah. Maybe. Well, no,
0: I, it's not. Mine is. That oh, okay. I have a weighted blanket, and it's just like a, a friendly giant has decided to sleep on top of you and protect you from the world.
2: That's, awesome. That's nice. And keep
0: you safe. Yeah. You know that maybe if you were raised with only formula and you can never feel secure, the weighted blanket is that. That fake flesh uh, that, that makes you believe you're
3: loved. So uh, yes, aw hilarious. I love hats it. off to my weighted blanket. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if the formula thing tracks because uh, I I had mom's titty and I don't feel <laughs> secure either. <laughs> so I think it was just something in the water in Lexington. There was a comic Weston.
0: when when we started out. Caroline May. Yeah, I, don't I remember, remember. She, she bumped she had us all the time. Yeah, she had a joke, you know, she had had a kid at like 45, and one of her jokes was, you know, when I breastfeed, it's yogurt. Oh, my God.
3: That's good. Now I know why we got bumped. That's Gladys, (laughs) Caroline May is coming. You get that. It's Caroline May, Andrew Goffman, author, then you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God, what a fucking nightmare. Uh, That's a funny joke, though. And uh, that's a great show. Great show. There was no one we couldn't get bumped for. I know. No one. Even each other at different times. Um, I I got Alex Sulkin. (laughs) (laughs) What? How did that happen? Uh, Anyway, that was a great show. Thank you to Steve Levitan. Thank you two for being awesome. Thank you. Thank everyone for listening. And we will talk to you again next week. Next
2: week?
0: <laughs> that was Next quick. week?
2: <laughs> and it stops right now.
3: q